Hello, and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by a panel full of great folks. With me today is our senior draft analyst, per usual, Ryan Kearney. Today, we will be diving into the quarterback class of this year's draft. Obviously, one of the most exciting positions to evaluate each year and the one that obviously gets the most buzz as it's the most important position in the sport. So... That will be fun to talk about. Also joining me back, uh, the typical crew feels like it's been a, like almost, I don't know. I know it hasn't been that long, realistically, but it does feel like I haven't seen either you, Mason, or Brad for like a month. I, I don't know wh- why it feels this way, but it just feels like, I know we talked like a week or two ago, but like it just feels like some of these off-season episodes, it feels like I don't see you guys for eons, how, how are both of you doing? I'll start with you, Brad. Well, it's nice to be missed. You know, I, I, I think I think it's it's important to uh, for my own legacy to disappear sometimes so that people I mean, how are supposed to people to, how, how, how are people supposed to remember you if you never let them forget? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people sometimes forget. I also I also I also want to give you some time in the spotlight as well. Eric. You know, like people people sometimes forget how good dry settle is because he always plays for McDavid, you know? So I feel like giving you your your moment, you know, lets you take their. Nah, I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, I'm not gonna lie and say good, but I'm going to tell the truth and say I am still alive, and to me that is good news because I like being alive. Uh, just in the end stretch of school, life is kind of uh, fucked right now. But hey, hey, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about football. How are you? How are you doing, Mason? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know. Getting by, trying to not get uh, overwhelmed with every bit of busyness that seems to keep coming my way over the last couple of months, but still folks, still here. So, yeah, but, well, uh, the answers you were hoping for there, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess those <laughs> answers were good. Ryan, with us per usual, camera off because the internet is. It's shoddy, couldn't stay at Colgate this late into the night. I appreciate you showing up uh, uh, on East Coast time. Uh, Ryan, I know you probably have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, pretty much everything you just said is uh, is spot on, Eric. But yeah, no, doing good off-season hockey time. So I've just been traveling around, going to different uh, hockey games and watching NFL draft prospects. So, you know, pretty properly fitting to be chatting about the quarterbacks today and some news. So yeah, should be a good one, man. Wonderful. Let's get right to it. Uh, Three major pieces of news I wanted to talk about today. Uh, Let's just start with the latest. Obviously, Odell Beckham yesterday is signing a $15 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens. A very interesting move. Apparently, Lamar Jackson came out today that he was directly recruiting Odell Beckham to come and join the team, which makes my original take on this seem like it's gonna come to fruition and all this nail biting was for nothing and it it now suddenly feels like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens this is gonna drag out towards training camp but on the eve of training camp they'll get something figured out and Lamar Jackson will stay a Baltimore Raven does that feel like a correct assessment of the situation Mason 
I mean, I would say so, considering, again, it seems like he kind of went out of his way to make sure that Odell Beckham would come there. But why do all of that if you have no intention of trying to find a way to, to make a deal work with the team or even possibly have at least some of the framework down that you're kind of happy enough with where you're now willing to go out and do some of the team's work for them? Yeah. I uh, I don't know. Ryan, is that kind of how you're feeling on the Lamar situation now? I just I, I would be shocked if there's a trade even at draft day at this point. Oh, the internet yeah, may he's have, gone. But the okay. internet may have cut out for Ryan. I mean, that, that's I am, okay, Bradford. I, I am no Ryan. Give us and take it away. I will do my best to fill in here. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but also I had a vision. Okay, Uh and my vision is very simple, okay. Odell Beckham Jr. catching a touchdown pass for the Baltimore Ravens from Mac Jones. Oh boy. Lamar to the to the Patriots. It just feels it feels it feels like it's heading that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off base. How on does that. that feel like it's heading that way if he's I, actively Eric, recruiting what Odell I said? Beckham I had a Jr. vision, Eric. I had a vision. Did you not hear me? Yeah, I, had a vision. I don't trust your visions on this one. Though. I had a vision. I think you should trust my. I had a vision the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. My my intuitions on these things are usually very accurate, and I just have a weird feeling that Lamar to the Patriots makes makes a little bit of sense to me. So likewise, Mac on the Ravens. I just watch it. Watch it happen. That's all I can say. Interesting, Ryan. <laughs> oh. This He's is cooked. this is going very poorly for Ryan, uh, which cooked. which I you know from multiple sources I knew this could happen, uh, but you know it's gonna be okay because I watched a lot of quarterback and listened to a lot about the quarterbacks over the past week, so I think I can lead a quarterback discussion. Uh, we may pause in a little bit to see if we can get Ryan back on the line, but let's just continue to move forward here. I just I just got back, Eric. Hold on here. <laughs> he is just he is just back now. Yeah, he's already eulogizing you like, straight up. Wonderful. Yeah, Ryan. Uh, sorry, that was bad eulogization on my part. Eulogization. Eulogization. Lamar Jackson, where you at? Yeah, uh, I mean, really, nothing's changed. I would say, I mean, I probably think he's still a Raven, but I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't have any insider info here. I... Oh, oh and there hey, it is again. There it is. Oh no. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of knew this might be an issue. Um, so we'll just continue to move forward here. Um. Mac Jones, obviously, uh, Bradford thinks he might be a Raven, uh, comes out a few weeks ago uh, now that uh, Mac Jones uh, is being actively shopped by Bill Belichick. I just want to use this moment to give my uh, my take on Mac Jones as, as like a person within the NFL sphere and just run it by you two. Um, Mac Jones, man, like... He's kind of got Mariah into the deal here. Like, he's just never really gotten a fair shot. I feel like he has never had a true wide receiver one. Like, if you look at the best wide receiver he's thrown to, it's maybe Jacoby Myers and maybe Nelson Aguilar. And that's, like, 
really, really, really bad. And then he got paired with Matt Patricia as his OC last year in a critical developmental year. And Bill Belichick's all of a sudden like, okay, let's go ahead and just get rid of this guy and, and move on entirely. I I feel uh I feel very, very, very bad for Mac Jones because I just feel like he's gotten screwed here. I, he, he, to me, uh, is a prospect I'm still very intrigued by and who I think can be a good to above average NFL quarterback and help a team make the playoffs. What What's going on with Mac Jones in both of your minds? And, um, you know, here's just the fit. You know, if, you know, sometimes you got to take these wild swings if, if the Patriots really don't want Mac Jones, hey, you know, Denver, call up with that third round pick. You know, I, I'd sign up for Mac Jones in a heartbeat. It just feels like Mac Jones uh is uh is is getting the short end of a stick here. Bradford, it looks like you have something to say about that. Well, I can always tell you're about to say something stupid about the Broncos whenever you go, you know. I've noticed this every <laughs> single time. But you 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 raise to a higher pitch and you go, you know. I know it's some dumbass Broncos take is about to follow. Mac Jones is not going to Broncos. Jesus. Uh, yeah, Mac Jones, I mean, it's very tough to say because I remember first year Mac Jones discourse. What a crazy time. Remember when people were talking about, like, should Mac Jones have gone above Trevor Lawrence? I remember that. Like, he looked promising, but promising in a in a stunted way where it was like, how much higher is this ceiling? I don't know. But if you get the Mac Jones of his rookie year, that's still a pretty solid performance. And I think a lot of teams would be willing to trade for that. So if the Patriots are insistent that, like, I don't know if I'm a fan of the Mac Jones experience, they'd find a suitor pretty pretty easily, I think. Like, Jones has uh, – he profiles to me as a dude that will always be, like – I mean, it's 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 kind of the new Dalton line, maybe a little bit, don't you think? Doesn't doesn't Mac kind of kind of profile like he could be that guy? Or I don't. Like, like, I don't think we've seen enough from him yet to even we say, haven't we we haven't even no, say know, that. But... And I think to set that as his ceiling is insulting to Mac Jones. I think he can be like our, somewhere between the fifteenth and twelfth best quarterback in the NFL. And the definition I, of mid. I, I think he could, at, at his peak, he could be a bottom, like a bottom tier top 10 quarterback, like, uh, which is not terrible. We, we've just never seen it before. I think Ryan's trying to join us back here right now. Uh, in the <laughs> yes, chat, I have returned. Yes, Ryan. I've heard this one before. Your, your, yes, thoughts, you your, your thoughts on Mac Jones. Uh, I think he's going to stay a Patriot. Uh, I don't think that the Patriots are going to move on from him just yet. I mean, two years, it hasn't been perfect, right? You know, touchdown-interception ratio is okay. You know, takes a couple sacks a game. You know, has been basically a 500 quarterback with the Pats with some pretty poor receiving cores in offense, I will say. But I don't think that the time is just yet to move on from Mac Jones. I mean, I think Bill Belichick knows Nick Saban well enough that he's not going to take one of his quarterbacks and just move on from him after two years starting. So I think that Mac Jones will still get some time. You know, I it, it wasn't pretty last year with the offensive coaching staff in New England. And I'm not defending Mac Jones entirely. I think he is ceiling limited, but um to already move on from him after two years at age 25, I think is too soon. I don't think it'll happen. Mm, interesting. It, it's interesting to me, but I feel like it might just because the reports about Belichick himself is shopping 
Mac. It's not like their front office or. Well, he's the GM. Anything. Well, I know, but they actually did some things to take away some GM control from him this off season. And it, it's, that's interesting. The Patriots whole organization right now is super interesting to me. Like they, they have one of the more fascinating off seasons. It feels like Bill's kind of on the hot seat with Robert Kraft, who wants to be in the playoffs next year. And uh, yeah, that, that, that just seems very interesting. Mason, you're obviously in the division. You out of all of us have probably watched for most Mac Jones thoughts on Mac Jones early in his career. I think that he has some limitations to his game that probably, I don't know, will resolve itself. It, it, so there's a lot of throws that he makes that you watch and it looks just slow. And the velocity on the ball doesn't look the same as when you see other people. And maybe that's biased because I watch Josh Allen every week and the, the velocity on his are ridiculous. But it just it doesn't look fast enough sometimes when it's leaving his hand and stuff like that. But I don't I don't think he's leaving the Patriots. I don't even know really how much validity there is to the rumors that he's being shopped around by Bill Belichick at all. I mean, realistically, it, it could even be referring to the fact that he's just received a call inquiring about it, and then somebody's going to say he's shopping him around because Bill Belichick is, frankly, one of the more secretive human beings in all the freaking NFL. <laughs> Like, he no, definitely I, isn't out there sharing his business with people. No, I think that's fair. What Jones is the biggest thing for me is just, like, it's it's not – you can win with an immobile quarterback. Like, that's clear. But it's a lot harder to do that. And and Jones, I mean, as much as I love, like, oh, the iconic draft day photo, you know, like, you know, he's got that Mac Jones build. It's like, I don't know if that's what you want to be building your team around in the modern NFL, right? Like, it's been so dominated the past couple of years by these, like, quick-throwing, quick-moving kind of guys. And Jones is a relic from another era, you know, in my eyes a little bit. And I think he's could be effective at what he does. But to me, it's like, is Mac Jones going to be on a Super Bowl contender ever? And if your answer is probably not, is that the guy that you want to build around, you know? I think under the right circumstances – he could be on like if he had like a great wide receiving core and a great defense. I think there is absolutely a chance I would call Mac Jones a Mac Jones led team a Super Bowl contender. You'd have to build around him, and he wouldn't be the one elevating everyone. But if he had the weapons, we saw what he did at Alabama when he had those great wide receiving cores. He had amazing wide receiving talent in college and absolutely lit up the college game. I think with a number one wide receiver and a true number two wide receiver, I think if they added someone like a DeAndre Hopkins, maybe next to Juju Smith-Schuster and that Patriots defense got better, I think there's absolutely a way that they're competing. Maybe not for the Super Bowl per se next year, but within the next few years, they're certainly in the mix in the AFC as a contender. But it, I mean, it, it's also just a product of the conference. It's it's a very tough conference and if you're asking, do I think Mac Jones is on the same level as a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? I mean, absolutely not. Like you, you nobody's asking that question. I you, I think it's just that like you can't say that. But with Jones, with Jones, I don't know. It it just it just feels like he's not not a not the guy, you know. But he's not bad. But like, I just would find it hard to get like super hyped up around Mac Jones as my quarterback. Maybe that's just me. I mean, no, clearly I you're salivating over the prospect. You missed this, Ryan, but he was like, 
hyping up like uh Mac Jones to the Broncos. Like oh god. I'm glad yeah. I missed that. Okay, well, would you rather would you <laughs> Mac Jones or Justin Fields? I mean, they were in the same draft class. Like, Justin would you Fields. Take? Yeah, I would take Justin Fields every time. I would say that like like Mac Jones, like his rookie year was maybe better than a year Fields has assembled. I don't know. I mean, Fields definitely had like some explosive moments this year, but it's like with Fields, you look at that and you see with Fields, you look at it and you see. Uh, a, a relatively limitless ceiling, you know, and you're less concerned about the floor. Whereas you look at Mac Jones and you think of him as the floor and not a whole lot of ceiling. It's a very short house. I question the the, the architecture. Like, I, I, with, with Fields, it's like you look at it and you're like, wow, I can envision, I can envision this Jalen Hurts esque beast just tearing through defenses with his legs and throwing bombs downfield to DJ Moore. Like you can see it with Mac Jones. It's like, he's a cool guy, but I, I just, I can't, I'm not about to get out of bed for Mac Jones. You know what I'm saying? And, and this NFL, you want showtime. You want people, you want people like, you want a guy that's like a guy, you know? And Mac Jones is a guy, but is he a guy guy? I don't know. Mm, interesting. I think we've covered enough Mac Jones talk. I feel like it doesn't this matter. Been, anyways, he's a Baltimore Raven, as I, we've discussed earlier. I, on I feel like we we've covered a lot of uh, Mac Jones. This another report from two weeks ago, the last time the three of us chatted. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, it is seeming like is heading toward a release. Yet, two weeks after that report, he is still not released. Ryan, where where do you think we are on DeAndre Hopkins' movement this offseason? Yeah, I could definitely see him as being a, a potential guy to move. Obviously, the, the Cardinals are going through a lot of uh, of changes, and you know, I I don't think I would fully rule out him coming back. But I know Steve Kime, their general manager, has said that you know his current cap hit is you know something that they're <laughs> wanting to look at to either reduce or move or trade or release some combination of that i think there would definitely be interest from a handful of teams maybe like the new england patriots like we were just talking about the new york giants new york jets chicago bears i feel like there's a handful of teams that would be in that you know veteran wide receiver market you know if it got to that point Hmm. brad do you see deandre hopkins getting moved before or by the end of the nfl draft uh by the end i mean i don't think he's gonna be a cardinal i mean what's him being a cardinal doesn't do anything for anybody right like what are we doing i i don't understand why they wouldn't be able to get some type of deal done around it like get some draft capital i mean i still i still really like the idea of hopkins to the chiefs or hopkins to the bills or something like that like i feel like some team somewhere is going to look at this low opportunity cost and just do whatever they need to do, which isn't going to be much at this point, right? Like you got to, you got to think he gets moved. Yeah. You would think so. There's enough teams that definitely could use his services that aren't the Cardinals. Yeah. Cardinals are one and, of the only and, teams that don't at this point in time. Like, and, and realistically, he, how long did he spend floundering in Houston too? Like there's no way he can look at this situation and go like, yeah, I'll live with this again. Yeah, seems seems strange, but it also seems strange that he hasn't been moved yet. 
Well, I mean, it's the current contract, Eric. I mean, he's going to make thirty million in in cap hit next year, and twenty twenty four would be twenty six million. So, I mean, the reason he hasn't gotten moved yet is is definitely the current cap hit. Surely he'd be willing to compromise a little bit on that. Like, does this guy want to be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes or Trace McSorley? Like, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing, D Hop? Get get it together. Get it together. Okay, before we get to our our quarterback talk, which will be lengthy, I just have a take I need to throw out here. Oh dear God just about what we've experienced in general does does this feel to any of you like it has been one of the most quiet and somewhat semi-boring nfl off seasons we have seen within like the past five to ten years like i get that like there might be like aaron Rodgers' movement but that still hasn't happened yet and like i i don't i don't understand this offseason at all i thought we were after last offseason where literally everyone got traded and everyone was unhappy and there were so many like trades and movement it feels like none of that has happened this offseason and i i guess i want to ask you ryan why do you think that is do do you think that people just are valuing draft picks more this year do they do you think that GM's view this is just a better draft, and that's the reason we're not seeing movement. It just seems very strange to me that last year we see all these teams make very aggressive moves in the offseason. One of those teams, the Eagles, ends up benefiting from it so much that they end up making the Super Bowl, and then basically no one does that the year after. It it, it seems strange to me. Yeah, I think maybe that's partially true, but also, you know, in draft, we saw three receivers get traded for first round picks during the draft. You know, AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown were, you know, both moved on uh, on draft day on day one of the draft. So maybe there's potential where it's still to come. But yeah, I, I don't know maybe why I don't necessarily have a, a big reason. I mean, maybe the free agency class wasn't necessarily as strong or something along those lines. But um, yeah, it's an interesting observation. Yeah, it's just something I've noticed. Brad or I'm just Mason, surprised that Rogers and Rogers and Lamar watch just not doing it for you. Then you just not enjoying that whole saga. No, not really. It's been uh, honestly one of the. <laughs> Can we just talk? Like, is the Aaron Rodgers thing actually going to happen? Because there's yeah, like, I'm, I'm my fingers are so crossed. There's that it like, a, I would love to see the Jets get absolutely screwed again. A fifteen percent oh, part of my brain that thinks that something's going to go terribly wrong just because it's the Jets. I don't know. It's good, but I, I think I'm, I'm still in the ninety-five, ninety-six percent that it'll happen. Okay. I feel you on this offseason being a little. I mean, for me, like. After the Will Levis news broke, I feel like everything's been slightly downhill since that. Like after, after all, after the whole that was so groundbreaking, that was crazy. That was crazy, and it's like the offseason has really failed to deliver since then for me personally. But there's still some time left. How's Mayo Coffee Girl doing? Mayo Coffee Girl, that is a story for another day. I do not think that Mayo Coffee Girl will be working out, unfortunately. Oh, Oh, a whole myriad of reasons, but. Yikes. It doesn't matter. It's a proof of concept, all right, that you can drink mayonnaise in your coffee uh, to get a girl to go out with you, and it will work one time, sometimes. But Yikes. so far, one for one. That seems like a bad time. All right. Well, Let's... it wasn't a bad time. It was more just like, you know, I, I came to some realizations about myself. Not that, like, I'm gay. But you were down bad? Wrong with that. <laughs> no, 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 no,
is 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 I mean, I don't know. Mason did, I, I feel like drinking mail and me, coffee just to get a no, date. It made that's sense. The it wasn't just that, bad. okay? It made sense in the context of the night that I was having, but I was not going to do it until she did it and then she goaded me into doing it as well because I did not want to appear like an unfun character that was unwilling to drink mayonnaise in his coffee. That is me abandoning my morals and debasing myself. Yes, I agree, but it did work. We did go out, but I I realized that it was just not right for me, you know? And that's 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 kind of where we're at, you know? The, the beat goes on. What can I say? But I will say this. Will Levis, fucked up guy. Mayonnaise and coffee, not good. Don't do it. Do not do it. And this is through this, like, deathly scared of milk, too, right? Where it's like, he like, that he like was from a, a reporter that's not even a reporter. He's great. See, that's what they that's what they want you to believe, Eric. That's what they want you to believe. Ryan, let's end this nonsense, please. All right, let's get to quarterbacks. Obviously, a fun position to talk about. It's nice to have quarterbacks back in the draft after last year. Like last year, draft was fun, but like there were no quarterbacks. Probably the worst we we may ever witness. And, last year. and, and like this year. It, it feels like they're quarterbacks. I want to put out one overall thought on the class, and then we can jump into individual guys kind of as you have them ranked, Ryan. But my my takeaway from listening to a bunch of stuff about all these guys and reading a bunch of stuff about all these guys and watching a bunch of all these guys is that with these kind of top four quarterbacks, Young, Stroud, Richardson and Levis, they're all gambles, but they are all gambles worth taking. Would you agree with that assessment? I would outside of Levis. I, I question the upside in terms of the ceiling with Levis more so than the others, but I think Levis is also probably the most immediately pro-ready to start in a week one game at the same time, just given some of his experience being a, a fifth-year senior and having gone through different programs in college too. So I think that's probably a fair assessment, even being a little bit lower on Levis. I still think, you know, you could convince me that, you know, in a some situation he could be, um, you know, a respectable pick, even if he's not necessarily my top flavor quarterback of, of the class. Mm. Top flavor quarterback of the class. What? Which would be Bryce Young. Okay. For, for those interested. Wonderful. Let's talk about Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Let's let's put the elephant in the room to the side. He's small. We get it. Like he's, yep. he's short. He's thin. But what gets you excited about Bryce Young? What makes you feel like he is the best quarterback prospect in this class? Yeah, there, obviously there's a million ways to to analyze prospects. I think the most fundamental way to evaluate a prospect is to watch him play football. And when you watch Bryce Young play football, it's fun. It's exciting. It's electric. He makes plays. He makes things happen out there, makes things happen out of structure uh, and is creative in his approach. And oftentimes with smaller players, you may see that with his mobility, but really with Bryce Young, it's his mobility behind the line of scrimmage. You don't often see him take off and run. He did have seven rushing touchdowns in his time at Alabama, but uh, you know, I would say overall, he's just very crafty. He's a, he navigates the pocket very well. He knows how to escape the rush, knows how to get off on or off platform to make a variety of throws. He'll challenge deep downfield and um, is just a, he's just a gamer. You know, he was a, he was an elite recruit coming out of high school in in California at modern day high school one of the top 
high school football programs in the entire country, you know, goes to Alabama, wins the Heisman, uh, just a, a, <laughs> a player that you can count on, you know, continuing to get better, uh, and, and leading your team. And you mentioned the height, that's obviously the concern, but when you watch Bryce Young play football, I don't think there's much of a question that compared to these other guys, he is the most dynamic playmaker and, uh, has some traits about him that, you know, he, he, I, you know, would have a lot of confidence in, you know, his character, his ability, uh, to continue to get better. So I just have the, the least questions about Bryce Young that have to do with who he is as a person yeah you can look at his height but obviously at this point we've seen that there can be outliers at the quarterback position if they are good enough and I definitely don't have questions that Bryce Young is good enough to succeed in the NFL yeah uh I'll, I'll just give my kind of takeaways from watching him great arm good arm um it's amazing how many angles he can throw from uh that that was something that really impressed me he's got that kind of Patrick Mahomes ability to be able to throw out of different arm slots pretty well and people talk about you know the frame and worrying about the frame I get being worried about that but I'm I'm gonna put this out here I think he's the most elusive quarterback prospect I've seen since Kyler Murray came out would you agree with that it feels like he just gets out of trouble when people bear down on him yeah no he, he definitely does he darts in and out of uh out of evading you know rushers coming at him you know <laughs> he makes it look pretty effortless and you know he, he did only have, you know he was a two-year starter at alabama didn't play his uh his first year when he was behind mac jones but you know winning the heisman trophy uh, you know as a freshman and really what what kind of put me on to, to bryce young is you saw him in the iron bowl at auburn it, it was a game in which alabama was favored by a lot but you know one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football alabama's offense really struggled in that game but bryce Young let him down a 90 yard touchdown drive right at the end of the game to end up winning it. You, you just kind of see that, you know, like the, the, he's got it in him. Like he, he's got that dog in him. Like, you know, he, he's willing to make those plays at the end of a game. You want the ball in his hand with everything on the line, with all the lights on, you know, highest competition in, in the sec. Uh, you know, he, he gets in and out of trouble and, you know, he wants the ball in his hand, you know, when it, when it matters most. Hmm. Mason and uh, Brad, I know I had both of you complete some homework for this episode and do a little bit of Bryce Young watching yourself. Any specific takeaways, whoever wants to jump in first uh, from watching Bryce Young? Bryce Young, his main thing for me is, I mean, you watch it play and it's like very clear. The guy's a few inches away from being generational, you know? But like, I, I, feel like, I feel like his ability to sense pressure is unreal. That's the main thing that I noticed is just like some guys, you just know it when you see it, they, they just feel the pressure in a way that other guys don't. And it's kind of like you were saying about his elusiveness where it's like young, he just feels it before it even happens. He's kind of got that sixth football sense where he just knows how everything's going to be. He's a pre-snap assassin. And I feel like that's such a valuable skill. Like it makes me think a little bit of like, like, like Burrow and Mahomes where they just have this like, weird feeling in the back of their heads where it's like there's a guy right there i shouldn't be here and bryce young has that on a level that almost no quarterback prospects ever do and to me that's to to me there is almost no scenario in which he is a disaster you know watching him play it's like how can this not work out at least a little bit right like that's where i'm at interesting i think I, you guys definitely covered a lot of, of what i liked about him um 
the one thing uh, when I was listening to some stuff about him too that I I thought was really impressive was um, his decision making for like ball security. Um, they were talking about uh, his completion rate under pressure and unadjusted. It's like 46%, which sounds pretty unimpressive, but uh, you also got to account for the fact that he threw the ball away 19 times just to make sure that there wasn't a bad negative play that was getting taken. And when you account for drops and throwaways, it actually comes up to like 64% completion rate under pressure too. So like he's clearly got the ability to function well under there and make good decisions when it comes to it because you know those negative plays really do kill you so often in the nfl you you can't make those decisions and expect the defense not to make you pay for it so that's bryce young the next guy on your list uh ryan was cj stroud yep uh what okay here's let me just tell you what I thought about uh, C.J. Stroud. Obviously, the knocks are going to be, well, he played at Ohio State with a bunch of great wide receivers that probably won't be as good as the guys he throws to in the pros. But I I watched C.J. Stroud, and, and I came away with this, and I texted you this. Like, C.J. Stroud, he just looks like a pro. He throws like a pro, he reads the field like a pro, and he's poised like a pro. And like Bradford was saying, you can kind of tell when guys just look like they have it. To me, I look at him and I see, oh, like this is just like slightly, like maybe this is a crazy comp. But I watched him and I just thought, oh, this is just like slightly, a little bit under college Joe Burrow, like just a little bit under college Joe Burrow. And I think that bodes really well. I know the, some of the knocks are that he's not special with the off platform stuff. Like Bryce young is we've only really seen him do that in one game because he had, uh, which was that playoff game when it, when it mattered most but he also had really great protection. Do you, what do you think about CJ Stroud? Obviously, Ohio State quarterbacks have this super negative connotation for some reason within the NFL. But I always like him coming out. Like he's just a good foot. They are just good quarterbacks, and CJ Stroud is just a good quarterback. So I'm a little bit confused by some of the people that are that are more down on him. To me, I think he's in the same classes as Bryce Young and can definitely have the same amount of success as Bryce Young, no matter where he ends up going. I think it'd help if he was a Panther because they have a little bit more of a set offensive line. But even if he ends up with the Texans, like they have Laramie Tunsil, like they have a pretty decent offensive line themselves. If they drafted some weapons later in the, in the class, I think he could make them very competitive early. I I, I feel really good about CJ Stroud when I'm watching him. Am I alone in that assessment? 
No, I, I'm a big fan of CJ as well. Definitely, you know, warrants consideration to be picked first overall, you know, with a guy like Bryce Young and, um, you know, has the size, has the, you know, uh, you know, a lot of things you like, really accurate passer, uh, did a nice job, uh, you know, uh, limiting turnovers as well. Mason mentioned that with uh, with Bryce Young, but CJ Stroud only 12 career uh, interceptions in his career, which is uh, the exact same for Bryce Young as uh, two-year starters. So I think there's a lot to like with, with Stroud. I I mean, uh, probably one of my favorite games he had was, you know, going back to the Rose Bowl he had against Utah. Sorry to bring this up to you, Eric, but I mean, he and Jackson Smith and Jigba were just absolutely on another level with their connection. And Stroud had, you know, one ball over the the right sideline that was probably as perfect a, a ball as I can ever remember being seen thrown in a, you know, college football game. Um, so I, he, he, puts uh, you know he's, he's going to be very advanced for a rookie quarterback you know going in uh you know to the nfl next year it's just a two-year starter now he definitely has a lot of things to improve there are concerns that you know he was able to dominate the big 10 because he had you know future nfl superstar receivers and you know great offensive linemen in front of him in front of him is very valid and you know he'll need to obviously deal with some more adversity heading into the next level and you know, he's not necessarily known as a guy that um, is a huge scrambler or runner. And, you know, we've seen flashes of that in his career, but, you know, far from the uh, super consistency side in terms of his, uh, you know, ability to extend plays and, um, you know, uh, create a little bit with his legs too. But, you know, from the pocket, there's not a whole lot of uh, of questions. He can make all the throws and, you know, projects as a, you know, future NFL starter. You know, I'm not necessarily sold that he's kind of to the level of like a Trevor Lawrence coming back a few years ago. I, I think I would have him a little bit higher than a CJ Stroud, but there's still a lot to like in, uh, in, in what Stroud can offer you. Mm. Bradford Mason thoughts on CJ Stroud. I mean, he he has an absolute hell of an arm. Like some of the the deep balls he throws, it looks just effortless, and I I, I love that. I mean, you know, it, they're they're having that ability to just put it where you want it that far down the field really does make a difference on a number of occasions. Those chunk plays really help a lot in such an offensive dominated league, and so I really enjoyed a lot of that about his game. Honestly, it's probably one of my favorite bits of it. I love the anticipation in his throws. That was a big one for me, where it's like, I think is a very underrated ability for a lot of quarterbacks to have. Like, it's not one that people always talk about, but like, to me, it's, it, he has such a firm grasp of himself as a quarterback, you know? And I, I think that's one of those traits that like transfers really well to the NFL. Like I just trust his ability uh, to stay composed, to know what's going on. I mean, him and Bryce both, like to me, there's almost no scenario in which they suck, you know, like they just have such a, an air about them of comfort and confidence, both in very different ways. But Stroud made me think a little bit of like, 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 a, like a, like, like a Dak Prescott type, maybe a bit of a juiced up Kirk cousins in a way where there's just sort of like a, an effortlessness about the way that he plays that makes me feel very good about him as a prospect. And I really like the prospect of him in a Panthers offense with already, like, like you were saying, like some great infrastructure built in. Ryan, any other thoughts on, on CJ Stroud? 
Uh, I mean, I would say that, you know, there's a lot to like in, in his character. You know, he, he comes from an interesting background, too. He's from, you know, Southern California, was a highly rated recruit. But um, his father actually was uh, in prison during a lot of times when he was in high school. So, you know, obviously there was some adversity there. And then, you know, to see him obviously have the career that he did and ended up being a team captain last year. I think that there's still a lot to like in what Stroud can offer you, obviously, not only as an athlete, but in the character standpoint, too, which is obviously so essential at the quarterback position. You know, you need to be able to step in and be a leader on your team and um you know hold other people accountable and um i think that there's you know not a ton of questions on stroud you know there's some ohio state fans um you know that i know that they're you know kind of more adamant that they don't think that stroud can kind of be that superstar level quarterback you know because he had so many great receivers around him it's kind of hard to foresee him you know it, it was stroud 100 of the reason that the buckeyes had success you know you talked about how you know there's obviously this narrative kind of out there that the ohio state quarterbacks haven't necessarily always panned out as the best and i think stroud probably is um you know the best of that bunch you know i, I think he's a better you know straight up passer than even a guy like justin fields um who obviously possesses much more athleticism as a rusher but i think from a from a passing standpoint stroud's probably the best we've seen of the ohio state bunch so i think he's going to be a, a long time nfl starter you know do i think he's a elite you know he's going to turn into a josh allen a patrick mahomes uh, a joe burrow you know i don't think he's quite there but um, you know, in the right system, I, I could see it. So there's a lot to like in CJ Stroud, you know, in a lot of drafts, he's kind of the no brainer, number one overall pick, but um, you know, this is such a strong class with the, with the quarterbacks and even a guy like Will Anderson, I think maybe should get more consideration than he's maybe getting too. So um, yeah, a lot to like in Stroud's game. Mm, absolutely. All right. Let's just talk about, I think the guy that's probably the most divisive amongst draft people right now and that guy is anthony richardson so i'm just gonna start with a very simple question here ryan who is anthony richardson yeah, well, that's a fucking great question right there, Eric. I'll be honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of uh, this may be one of the most polarizing prospects that I can ever remember, you know, looking at because you can look at the the ceiling, which obviously the, the NFL draft is all projections based. You know, we're, we're projecting how these people that in Anthony Richardson's case aren't even 21 years old is yet how he's going to be in, you know, seven, eight years as a you know professional NFL quarterback. And the ceiling of that could be literally, you know, he is a faster Patrick Mahomes because you look at what the arm strength potential is there. Now, is he that on the football field and what we've seen in the SEC? Not even close. This guy was barely above 50% completion percentage last year as a, you know, in a full year starting outside of the bowl game for, for Florida. But you know, there, there's so much to like in, in what he offers athletically. You you look at the LSU game from this year, you know, he has just a ridiculously athletic run where he's trucking over people and running. And, you know, it's like, this guy's a four, three and he's your quarterback and he's got ridiculous arm strength, but it's, it's really, you know, the things that you, you worry about Richardson a lot, you know, you got to look at the, the accuracy, you know, there's a lot to, that he needs to kind of clean up in terms of his mechanics of, of throwing a football. So that gives you optimism that in an NFL team, he could get that. He could get that coaching. He could get that experience, but he's far from being ready to to start, um, you know, this year uh, for for a team, and you know, maybe by the end of the year. But that's probably even a, a little bit soon. But I mean, the 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 ceiling of what you can get is so high that you know, considering taking him first, second, third overall is extremely valid, even though he has not been, you know, a great 
quarterback in college football. That's kind of what I was saying with Bryce Young. You know, we don't have those questions. Is this guy actually good at football? We know for sure, yes. You know, we don't know that for sure with Richardson. He could be. He just started one full year at Florida, uh, you know, a touchdown interception ratio of 17 to 9. You know, you're just like, you you look at the production and what we have seen and what he has done, and you're like, yeah, you know, there there is definitely bust potential here with Richardson too. But gosh, like I said, with the athleticism, the pure speed, the pure arm strength, you know, uh, Josh Allen is kind of another prospect where it's like he had those raw traits. He didn't really see it in terms of the production. He didn't really see it in the big time games. Obviously, he's been able to turn that into a, a very successful career with the Bills. And I think Richardson even has more athleticism than what we even saw from a guy like Josh Allen. And Richardson did it in the SEC where Allen went to Wyoming, you know, against much smaller competitions. So, you know, that I think you, know, you, you the Richardson film, you, you watch a game like he had against Kentucky this year and you're like there's no way this guy can play in the NFL and um you know then then you turn on other games like I said with with LSU for example and you're like gosh this guy is a you know high end talent that you know you you can't miss him um because of the potential of what he can be so we really don't know he could be anywhere in that range of this guy is genuinely a bad quarterback to this guy could be you know one of the one of the, I would want to say all-time greats but in terms of the potential with the arm strength and the speed um uh, you know projects as someone with the tools to be that yeah, and just to put that into context, too, week one last year, Florida plays Utah, a program I know and follow very closely. And coming out of that game, I don't know if you remember this, Ryan, but there was legitimate discourse that was like, yeah, Anthony Richardson is a Heisman candidate. And then who they play the week after? It was like Kentucky, right, the week after. And like you said, it looked like he couldn't, play football to save his life now he is one of the most just like deeply interesting prospects i think i've seen come through it and what makes him tantalizing to me and what i didn't realize watching like he can throw with touch which is like something that even in college josh allen couldn't do like josh allen did not have touch in college like you you just that did not exist. And that is something in quarterbacks that is just so hard to teach that if you have that, even when you're raw, and I know you say the mechanics are a mess, and I agree with that partially. I think his feet are a mess. I think in the pocket, he has happy feet. Like he doesn't really know what to do with his lower body, but his throwing motion is pretty clean, I think, and like looks good. I, I would definitely, if I were one of these teams like Seattle, and if he's there at five or whatever, like you got to take a shot because he could be something. I, I just think he could be something really, really special. And and you undersell what he does as a runner. I mean, he's like a mix of Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton, like Cam Newton's power and Lamar Jackson's elusiveness. And it's like, you put those two things together. And even if he doesn't know how to throw for the first two or three years of his career, you can put him in a Justin Fields role or a Lamar Jackson early in his career role. And you can just roll him out there and run like a read option game. And you know, hope for the, or, or hell, even Jalen Hurts in that first year when when Hurts was still developing as a passer, yeah. like he, it's not like he's unplayable. Like no. he, he could start within like the first five or six weeks of the season. Like he's yeah, you, you can get him I, on the field in packages. I I came I came into this thinking that he was maybe unplayable, but watching him, I do I think 
it's much more likely we see him playing in an NFL as a starter by the end of the year than it is that he sits out a full year. He's just too special of an athlete. Brad, thoughts on Anthony Richardson? I know you don't like anyone comparing anything to Patrick Mahomes ever. What What are your feelings hearing that, that he has that kind of ceiling? I mean, I can't argue with the physical, like, like traits. Like, I don't know. I feel like with Richardson, it's like, he wouldn't exist without Josh Allen, you know? And I feel like people are banking on something that was an impossible miracle in the first place happening twice with him. And it's like, I don't know, guys, watching the tape, I definitely get the tantalizing elements, but he's also just kind of dog shit, low-key. Like, he can't he can't really, like, he, he has a very poor sense of the game, you know? And that can be taught. It has been taught before. It can be done. And I understand how tantalizing, I mean, the speed, the arm, all of it. It's all there, but, oh, it feels so insanely risky to me, you know? And it's like, I feel like, the chances of this working out are very low in in my eyes. I mean, I, I somewhat tend to agree that it, it probably, you know, it's not obviously a sure thing, but I mean, he is very young. And if you can find a team that already has like someone that they're willing to put in this year and he can actually take a full red shirt year like Patrick Mahomes got to behind Alex Smith. Like, you know, may, maybe there is a way to kind of increase your chances that he hits that ceiling rather than being closer to the, his floor. I, I don't know if that's going to happen because it seems next to impossible these days that uh, <laughs> a rookie QB doesn't end up getting thrown into the fire by at least October. Yeah. But, like Patrick Mahomes is again, once again, an exception to the rule of like quarterbacks don't get to sit a whole year. If you get drafted in the first round, it just doesn't happen. It's also a testament to why they probably should though. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, like why aren't more teams this competent to understand how to develop a quarterback? Like, yeah, the chiefs are smart. Okay. They've got great GM, the Andy Reed, like they did it right. They had Alex Smith. They had a good team, like fully competent team developed great quarterback. So like, if Anthony Richardson was say in that situation where Andy Reed was developing him, he had a full year to sit, he stepped into a great team. Like he would totally channel this potential, but the team that drafts him, are they going to be the ones that actually, you know, don't give in to any situation where you play him before he's ready. And, you know, a lot of times we don't see that, you know, like Mahomes is the exception because the chiefs actually did it right with competent people and the right support system. But you know, that's uh, yeah. the Chiefs are kind of the exception to how most NFL teams are able to kind of develop young quarterbacks. OK, so let, let's just totally put draft positioning aside. Obviously, the team has to have a first round pick. But, Ryan, if you were to put Anthony Richardson in the perfect situation of a realistic team that's going to draft him within like the first 20 picks, probably what team would that be? I think it would be the Tennessee Titans trading up for him because you have Ryan Tannehill and you have a foundational run game that, you know, historically has relied on your trenches and the offensive line has certainly been a storyline in Tennessee. They, they need to start addressing that. I know they signed Andre Dillard this off season, but as an Eagles fan, he didn't pan out how we thought, but I, I think the Titans trading up, you know, a, a, that's a team that's been in the playoffs. They've got some foundation there and they've got a veteran quarterback that, you know, they can sit Richardson behind and still have kind of a fun run game. If you want to run in some Anthony Richardson and Derek, 
Derrick Henry packages, that could be kind of fun too. So that'd probably be the team that I think would, you know, be able to channel Richardson uh, maybe better than some of the others like Houston or, um, you know, one of those teams that are near the top of the draft, for example, that are still in a rebuild. Hmm. All right. The man of the hour, Bradford's favorite prospect, Will Levis. Uh, okay, I know you don't like him. I, can I just tell you why I kind of like Will Levis? He he runs well. He's got an interesting arm. It feels like most of his college career he played hurt. He is extremely tough. He waits a long time to get rid of the ball, but when he does, he usually does it for big plays down the field. Do I think that he is ready to become a top 10 NFL quarterback? No. But do I think that if the Washington commanders take him at 15 or whatever, he can beat out Sam Howell and keep the commanders competitive in the NFC East? I would say the answer to that is probably yes. I I don't know. I feel like he's he doesn't have the upside of the other three prospects, but I still do think he can be a solid quarterback if people give him a little bit of rope and a chance at least. Yeah, I I think uh, for me with Will Levis, he's kind of in the boat. You know, we were just talking about Mac Jones or like a Carson Wentz where, you know, they're, they're I, I don't even necessarily buy that Will Levis is super mobile. He's kind of more of a downhill runner than he is speed. I know he didn't run the 40 um, at either his pro day or his combine, but I don't think he's like a make you miss guy on the outside, like an Anthony Richardson or, um, you know, Lamar Jackson and RG3. Like he's not that type of runner. He's more of a, you know, physical in the trenches runner like, um, you know, we saw like a Carson Wentz do early on in his career during his time at NDSU. I mean, I Will Levis, you know, he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford during his time at Penn State, transferred to Kentucky, placed two years there. Uh, you know, he was pretty good, but I think there was still a little bit to be lacking. You know, you like the physical traits with the size and the arm strength, but, um, you know, still I think he needs to develop as a passer. You know, I'm thinking back specifically to a game he had against Georgia and Keely Ringo really kind of baited him and got a pick um, right in the end zone. And you're like, ah, well, you know, red zone, you know, turnover. We don't really love that. You want to loft that ball a little bit more. So there's still a little bit to go in his game. But, um, you know, as I said, you know, a little bit older prospect compared to the other guys, maybe a little bit more of a chance that he could start in a, in a week one situation. You mentioned Washington. I've seen that fit a lot in, in a lot of different mock drafts. But, um, yeah, I, I question where the ceiling is with Will Levis. And that's a big reason why I have him lower than the other three quarterbacks. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't have many more thoughts on Will Levis. I assumed that Brad and Mason probably don't have many either, but I'll I'll open the floor up to you two if you have anything profound you want to say about Will Levis. I mean, have you heard about what he puts in his coffee? I've I've oh, I've God. already heard enough about this guy. He's a, do not draft. Don't don't draft this guy. He's a disaster. He's an absolute disaster. We don't. Mm-mm. Okay, got it. All right, Ryan, we get to the portion now where I only really watched the top four guys. So I did know you wanted to talk about one more guy before maybe yep. I give uh, Brad and Mason a chance to think of maybe some sleeper prospects that they've heard about that they might like to ask you more about. Sure. Uh, I, I have uh, one for you, but uh, Hendon Hooker, I've watched – Hendon Hooker live actually a few times. So, you know, I watched the Alabama game and like, obviously that's a great performance, but 
I don't know. Sometimes I have a hard time telling which quarterbacks are going to translate from college to pros. And I don't know. Hendon Hooker to me just feels like he was a really great college quarterback. I don't, I don't really know if he's going to translate to the pros. And also he kind of has a huge injury question mark. We don't even know if he'll be ready for a season opener. I, I, I wonder, uh, I was a little bit surprised to see you had him on this on, on your list. Yeah, I I actually really like Hooker's game. I thought he took a lot of strides up this year in 2022 in Tennessee's offense, and he benefited from some strong receiver play too with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman on the outside in Tennessee. And you mentioned the the ACL injury, you know, towards the end of the year that was a big bummer. You know, he was uh, kind of in that Heisman race even, and then um, that kind of ended things for him, which was too bad. And you know, that obviously brings a, a significant amount of questions for a quarterback that does often rely on his mobility. You know, not <coughs> something that um, we could say about a CJ shroud a bryce young uh or a will levis as much i think hooker probably my my favorite comp in the entire draft is comparing hendon hooker to tyrod taylor uh tyrod taylor obviously coming out of virginia tech hooker came out of uh virginia tech before transferring to tennessee and you know tyrod taylor obviously you know he, he's not like a consistent starter for one team but like he's he's had a you know long nfl career for for a handful of quarterbacks he can play in different offenses can use his mobile use, use his legs a little bit he can throw deep you know make some plays but has still kind of a, a little bit of a limited ceiling i think that is very very similar to what you could expect in a hendon hooker and especially coming off that injury if you can get that in say the second or third round i think you may end up getting you know a future nfl starter that um you know just kind of fell into your lap because i think there's some really 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 good tape from what he put out uh, at Tennessee, you know, and again, SEC high competition, um, you know, uh, that's the closest thing you can get to NFL competition is, is playing in the SEC. So, you know, I thought hooker really kind of passed those tests and he's an older player at 25 years old, even a couple years older than Will Levis is. So, um, you know, if he is able to recover from that ACL injury, could probably be a guy that can give you maybe some not immediate impact, but as a backup, you know, could step in and maybe give you some meaningful snaps if needed. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I just hadn't I I the what do you think about because I know this is uh, very popular. I think Mina Combs came up with it actually. What do you think about uh the Gino comparison for him? Uh yeah, I mean I think that's kind of a similar light in terms of thinking like, okay, this guy isn't necessarily like a stud starter for one team. He's gonna get a fat contract in, in number two. And I know Gino just got paid obviously with, with Seattle, but it's taken a little bit of time. You know, no one would have foresaw that when he was coming out of West Virginia in the draft uh all those years ago. But um I think that's kind of a similar light. I don't think Hooker is necessarily like, oh, this guy's a bona fide, he's gonna start for you, but I think he's gonna hang around the NFL a long time and um, you know, kind of be an available guy that, you know, a rebuilding team so to speak or, or a team that's kind of in a QB transition time can say yeah we'll go with Hendon Hooker for uh, a year or two before we kind of move on I could see Hooker staying around for for a long time uh, you know I think his age is something that will help him uh, in this situation being an older player um, you know he can you know be a couple years in and, and still uh, have a lot of experience under his belt uh, you know having played at Virginia Tech and Tennessee in his career all right Brad Mason are there any other guys that you've heard about uh, throughout some of your research here that you maybe didn't get a chance to watch that you'd like to ask Ryan about as far as some uh, uh, guys that are kind of further down on quarterback ranking lists? Well, I mean, I feel like I have never heard a quarterback prospect that people know isn't going to be good get talked about more than Stetson Bennett. What's, what's going on here? 
Yes, Stetson Bennett's a weird one. He's also old as shit. He's 25 as well as uh, as Hooker is. But I mean, I you know, Stetson Bennett is is a, it's a tough eval. He's probably worth a day three pick. You know, I don't want to want to say like this guy's completely terrible. Obviously, you look at the athleticism and you're like, eh, you know, it's probably not the the height and weight we're looking for. But like he can move a little bit. Like his mobility is is somewhat legit. You know, his arm strength is okay. So like, I, he's probably a, a clear cut backup. I would say in the NFL, I don't think there's any way you you have this guy as a starter. Um, at at you know, ideally not. You know, probably strikes you as like a Washington Commanders guy where he just shows up and starts a couple games at the end end of the year. Um, but you know, it is it, just kind of interesting. Yeah, obviously he played at Georgia where you know he got a lot of uh you know opportunity to play in the SEC. You know, was pretty solid, held onto the football, not a ton of uh of turnovers that you see. So um, you know, kind of just like a you know high floor, low ceiling type of quarterback that you know probably most clearly projects as a as a backup in the NFL. Interesting. I have a guy. Um, I have two guys. Act a few guys actually. One guy just because I've watched so much Mountain West football. I know he came off a pretty serious injury last year, and that's he just didn't have much college shape. But Jay Kaner was really good the whole time he was at Fresno State. Do you think there's a chance that he has enough upside that he could maybe turn into a fringe NFL starter at some point in his career. Yeah, Jay Kaner is actually kind of an interesting guy. I, I think that you kind of look at the top four guys and Hooker is kind of like a wild card five, but Hainer is kind of an interesting prospect to look at as well. I mean, one of my favorite games that I've watched of, of quarterbacks in this class was Jay Kaner's game against UCLA from 2021. You know, he was like banged up in this game, like super injured, got just drilled in the ribs and was hanging in there, like gutting through throws. Like you could see it was almost like a Dante Culpepper situation when he was at Marshall where he was like getting carried from snap to snap by his offensive lineman. But Hainer ended up winning that game at a game when he touched down to Jalen Cropper, who's a pretty solid wide receiver prospect on this draft as well. But, you know, a little bit undersized, you know, he went to Washington to start his career, transferred to Fresno State uh, to get a little bit more of an opportunity, started basically the last three years uh, at Fresno State, was pretty productive there, led some pretty strong teams. Um, you know, the athleticism is a little bit of a question, not a, a super great runner, um, but I think, he, you know, he, he he's a pretty accurate passer, can kind of get the job done. Probably another guy that projects most closely as a backup at the next level but um yeah he, he's a he's a competitor and um you know he, he kind of has that character that toughness that uh like i said it's a really important part of the quarterback position of you know where you have the traits but are you going to be able to to get better are we going to be able to trust you you know in an offense in a game situation where you know can you run a two-minute offense things like that i think that you know i would have a little bit of confidence in hainer for that probably someone i wouldn't touch until you know the the fourth or fifth round of the draft if not even maybe a little bit later than that but um certainly an interesting prospect um uh, that you know you highlighted there in hainer interesting mason anyone if not it's totally fine uh no i didn't have anyone who uh if you hadn't talked about him um, you know, uh, Hooker was the guy I was going to ask about, but we got there, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, with no, that. I do like Hooker a lot. I think there could be some, you know, I I actually have Hooker higher than Will Levis, uh, which is maybe <laughs> you know probably more uncommon than you would see. I personally would not take Will Levis in the first round. I assume he does go in the first round, but if I was the GM, I would, you know, I I would not touch either of those two on on day one of the draft. Um, I would probably but Levis you know, just screams Raider to me. You yeah, just, you just feel it. Josh so McDaniel's I guess if I could ask you a question about Hooker, you, you compared him to Tyrod Taylor. How yeah. is his his like willingness to make those 
more contested throws because as someone who watched quite a bit of Tyrod Taylor while he was playing, like that was hands down my biggest issue with him was he just would not pull the trigger if he thought there was any chance that that was like contested in any way. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point and a really good question. Cause I agree. Tyra Taylor is kind of more of that, you know, check down, you know, short passes, move the chains, move on hooker, you know, he I mean, was a beautiful deep ball. That was the ugh. totally. Yeah. Hooker at Tennessee, they run kind of an interesting offense where their receivers aren't running a, you know, huge route tree. A lot of times it's screen or you're running deep and I'm, you know, chucking it deep to, you know, one of my two receivers that I mentioned earlier with Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman, who, you know, will both probably be top 50 picks in, in this year's draft as well. So, and just in that offense, you know, Hooker wasn't really asked to make a ton of those, you know, kind of over the middle field reads. It was, how are we going to get the ball to these athletic playmakers we have on the outside? So it was, you know, seeing one-on-one coverage. All right. I will be willing to throw that contested ball but at the same time he wasn't necessarily putting you know things in in harm's harm's way either you know he's pretty good at limiting turnovers only at two picks all of last year so um i think that that may be a difference in in what we've seen from taylor uh and hooker but obviously translating to the nfl you know it, it's still obviously tougher to hit those deep shots so um he'll need to to improve on that hooker will um but maybe that is potential where you could see a little bit of a step up from uh you know what we've seen from times at, at tyrod taylor too all right, final questions on quarterbacks. You knew you know one of these was coming. Uh, the Eric Jensen uh, prism of football watching quarterback questions. First off, I have CBS's NFL quarterback rankings up here, and the guy they have dead last, I am absolutely shocked by because basically in college he did nothing but put up absurd numbers and make highlight plays. Why are people so low on Dorian Thompson Robinson? Yeah, you know, I think it's probably the turnovers just to to be honest with you on that. Like he's got good athleticism and you know, I don't I don't necessarily know how much better he got over the time he had at UCLA. Like this guy played a ton. I mean, he had 48 starts uh in in his time at college. So like he was out there, he was available, only missed one game due to a leg injury, and that was back in 2019. But, you know, this year he, you know, bumped up the interceptions a little bit. Ten picks this year um, was just a little bit too high. Uh, I know Clark Phillips burned him for for one of those in a Utah game, Eric, this year. But, um, you know, I, I thought that Thompson Robinson was kind of like an intriguing prospect, but I just never saw that huge jump. You know, this year he was a little bit more of an accurate passer and put up a little bit more yards. But I thought that the turnovers was really something that kind of held him back where you're like, ah, oh, you know, you, you kind of wonder about the ball security. And if that's a question you have with a quarterback that's a little bit older you know Thompson Robinson at 23 a five-year starter you know you kind of wonder if you'll ever get there um, with a player like that but you know he can run a little bit run a four five forty so you know he, he kind of projects as a pretty athletic quarterback but I don't really see much of an NFL future for him um, at quarterback just because of the uh, other turnovers to be honest yeah finally do you know where I'm going with this last one lay it on me bro uh, you know, I got to ask about it. There is a BYU guy coming out. Yeah. Uh, Jer- journal, obviously. I- I'll just give you the book on him from my perspective. A lot of injuries in college. Probably doesn't bode well for the next level. Also very old, but still a really talented passer, I think. My question is this. It's very simple. Does he get drafted? I think it'll be a... A sixth or seventh round pick, yeah. Okay. I think. 
I think he'll get drafted. But, uh, you know, yeah, as you said, tons of injuries <laughs> in his time. He had concussions, had a hip injury, core injury, ankle injury. Those were all in consecutive years. Um, and he was really just a two-year starter at BYU as well. Good stats, good numbers. Like, you like, you know, what the projection of Jaron Hall could be. And, you know, a little bit short. Uh, so, again, when we go back to the short discussion, it's not a concern for Bryce Young because this guy is a stud. We don't have the questions about the football side. You know, Jaron Hall, a little bit more of that, obviously not playing in the SEC. Um, as well a little bit slower I would say than a than a Bryce Young even though um, neither of them I think are extremely great maybe even Jaron Hall maybe slightly better in terms of his rushing efficiency but um, yeah I I think that there's some things to like with Jaron Hall I think he probably gets drafted towards the end but um, you know at 25 years old you know how much can this guy you know really kind of continue to elevate as a as a backup I kind of wonder where the ceiling is with him Mm. of course all right Final question here about next year's class. Actually, I always like to ask Ooh, this a good one too. at the end of our, okay. Okay. So you're going to say that now, but I feel like every year when I ask you about next year's quarterback class, you say, yeah, man, it's pretty good. And then we get to there and it's always like, Oh, okay. It was good. But there's only like one or two for sure guys. Obviously next class has Caleb Williams. He is an absolutely special passer Anyone who is listening to this podcast who has not watched USC, just go, like, YouTube some Caleb Williams highlights. He is, like, some bizarro mix of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. It is absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, I feel like unless he just was absolutely awful throughout the whole year, he is basically the locked-in number one pick for next year's draft, but other than Caleb Williams, what does the draft class look like next year? And do you think there will be again, a bunch of guys that we're talking about as first round talents come next year? Yeah. I think the other guy kind of in that mix is Drake may. I don't think he's from uh, North Carolina. I don't think he's quite as good as Caleb Williams. I'm extremely high on, on Williams for basically all those reasons that you outlined. I mean, dude won the Heisman trophy uh, last year. So he's going to be in a similar spot to how we looked at Bryce young uh, in this year's class. So I think there's a lot to like with, uh, with Williams and, and Drake may as well, you know, kind of projects as, you know, one of those high first round guys, probably pretty similar if that's how you kind of view things like, Oh, there only ends up being, you know, one or two guys. This is, uh, this class is a little bit of an exclusion. This is a pretty deep class um, as well as the one we had a couple of years ago when we had, you know, the Trey Lance and the Zach Wilson, the Mac Jones, the Justin Fields. Um, you know, that was obviously a, a high end class as well. But um, yeah, I, I think Williams is really going to kind of lead the pack. Drake May um, being in that mix from North Carolina is kind of the other big name to, to have your eye on, you know, going into the season. But um, we know guys always kind of break out and, and those things happen. But um, those are definitely the the two to, to, you know, have on your radar going into next year. Absolutely. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We are now folks very close like just pulling up the calendar here this coming sunday will will or this coming thursday will be two weeks away from a draft which is pretty crazy to think about uh i was thinking uh next sunday we'll probably get back to recording on on sunday uh although the NBA playoffs do start and I know the NHL playoffs are coming up. So we might be changing around our recording days a little bit because obviously I'm not going to make Bradford miss a playoff game or me miss a playoff game to record the end zone podcast, but Don't worry, uh, Eric, there won't be, there won't be too many playoff games for you. I wouldn't uh, worry about it, but uh, let's talk about 
uh, running backs and tight ends the next time we meet up. And I, I think at that point, we can maybe do some edge talk closer to the draft. But one thing I'd also like to do on draft week, if you're around, Ryan, is just do uh, a mock draft with the four of us picking for specific teams. I have no idea. Uh, but I have done very few mock drafts this year. Uh, so I'd like to to kind of do one before uh, the draft starts, but yeah, we're, we're coming up on it. So thank you very much for joining us, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was a good time. Good quarterback class, fun, uh, fun group to talk about, you know, Anthony Richardson really makes this kind of a, a fun one. You know, you got kind of the, the two, I wouldn't say sure things, but you know, you feel pretty good about in, uh, in young and Stroud and Richardson's kind of that mystery box in the, the family guy scene where you're like, Oh, give me the box. Give me the box. That's Anthony Richardson this year. So, um, it'll be fun to see where he winds up and will Levis as well. Hopefully he turns into a, uh, a future NFL starter too. So, um, really good class with, uh, with the quarterbacks fun to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, Mason, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you both next time. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, folks, and thank you very much for tuning in to the Endzone Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. Give us a follow there. All the latest episodes out there. Thanks again. We will see you next time. Peace out.